If you would take your Bibles with me and turn to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. We are finishing the gifts in the body today. I'm glad that you're so excited that it's over. And what I want to do is what we need to do is go back to where we started and how we kicked all of this off and make some important observations so we don't forget it. And then we've got a lot of other things to attach onto that. The body of Christ is incredibly important. One of the things that I think is most awful about the day and age that we live in, we have an abundance of Bibles. We have a lot of really great Bible teaching and Bible teaching ministries. We have a lot of uh, hucksters out there too. Don't listen to John Huckster. He's not a good reverend, okay? But we do have some good uh, teaching out there of which we can put on a podcast. We, we've got the ability now to listen over the internet for a ton of stuff for free. It's amazing the amount of exposure we can have to clear sound doctrine and clear thinking about God. It's amazing. But what I would hate is, number one, if that ever became a replacement for the local church. You can't replace the local church. Acts chapter 2 is very clear. When the Holy Spirit came to do a brand new thing, he birthed at that time, because of the death, resurrection, ascension, and promise of the coming of Christ, the church. He did a brand new thing. So we can't get away from that. I would never want those things to replace the church. Number two, I would, ever, I, I would hate to think that, that some of you hate coming to church. If you hate coming to church, come talk to me afterwards. I want to have that conversation with you. I want to know why. I want to know why you don't enjoy being here or with the body of believers. Uh, what's so rough about it? Please tell me. I'd like to know that. And one thing I think is important for us to remember, and this is a paradigm that we cannot afford to get away from, is Grace Bible Church is that God has given every believer in Christ a spiritual gift. And the spiritual gift is not meant to sit and soak. It is meant to be used for the betterment of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what I'm going to ask you to do with 1 Peter, if you're somebody who likes to mark, that's great. I debated whether or not I should put out sheets for this and, and that whole deal. Let me make sure this works. Yeah, it does work. That's fantastic. I love it when it works. It's bad when it doesn't work. I get in a frenzy and start to sweat profusely up here. So, Some of you think I'm glistening with the Holy Spirit. That's not the case. Trust me. In chapter 4, verse 7, look what it says. The end of all things is near. Notice that this right here is a timing verse. Peter's got something that he wants to let his audience know. Now stop for a second. This was 1,900 years ago. The end of all things is near. Either Peter's a liar, and therefore Scripture's not true, or he understands that near is being communicated as the way is an any-moment situation. It could happen at any moment, and that's what we believe. The return of Jesus to call the church up to the air, the rapture of the church is imminent. Any moment. Any moment. Man, would it be cool if it was by the time I was done with my sermon? You're like, that's still a, lo that's still a long time, right? <laughs> Notice, the end of all things is near. Now here's what it is. Therefore, and what that means is because of that. And anytime that you see this in your scripture, you want to kick that back. What was the previous point that was communicated? I need to have that in mind because he's going to give me a better explanation. 
Since the end is near, here's how you're to live. Okay, watch this. Be of sound judgment and sober. Now watch this. See this word? It's in italics. It's important that we understand this. In your Bibles, in the New American Standard 95 version, the translators have gone through and where they need to put in words in order to help bring a fuller meaning to what they believe that the text is trying to tell us. It needs something to help fill it out for the English language. No language just transfers perfectly from one to another. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. They want to put a word in here to help the mind be able to connect the dots. So anytime you see it in italics, it's not something that was in the original, but it's been placed there by the translators in order to help us along. However, notice that the idea is to be sound judgment and how we think and sober, which we probably think the opposite of that. Okay, I'm not supposed to be drunk. That's not necessarily what it's talking about. The whole idea is let's think clearly about these things in the last days. Why? For the purpose of what? For the purpose of what? How's your prayer life look now that it's the end times? The end times is supposed to motivate us to sound judgment and sober thinking so that we can pray correctly. Anybody have trouble in your prayer life? I told somebody one time, I said, my prayers are more like postcards than letters. You know, I get a few sentences out there and all of a sudden I'm thinking about pickles or something. I don't know. It's really strange. By, by the way, the farmer's market on Thursdays, excellent pickles. I don't know who does them. Fantastic. But that's where I got that from, okay? But seriously, my mind begins to wonder. I got to get back on track. I need some discipline. I need to keep in mind that my motivation is we don't have a lot of time left and prayer is of utmost importance. I need to be talking to God and thinking clearly. Now, notice the next part. Above all, right? Above all. Anybody like that song? Is that a good song? It is a good song. Emily says it's a good song. I'll take her word on it. Notice what it says. Keep fervent in your what? Love. Everybody know what fervent means? It means white, hot. It means fiery. It means light it up. Light it up. Light up your love for, ooh, good group, one another. Who's that? Us, y'all. It's not just y'all, but it's all y'all. And it's other believers in Christ as well. Above all things, my love should be white hot for my brothers and sisters in Christ because love covers a multitude of sins. Remember why that is? Because I sin against you and you sin against me and we're not perfect people. And the idea of me needing to be white hot in my love for you is so that sin doesn't become such a shackle on me that I can't function correctly. So I have to love beyond your sin because you may not recognize that you sin against me or I may not feel the need to come to you and rectify that sin in particular because I don't know what good it would do in doing so. But it doesn't change the fact that I still need to operate with you in the body of Christ. If I have love, love will overshadow that sin. It becomes the great cure-all. Now notice this. Be, present tense, hospitable. That word means love strangers. Be hospitable to. Notice that this right here clarifies what we mean by strangers. One another. What is that? It's the body. Now, here's the hard part. Without, and right, we do this, right? I'm not in there. Complain, right? You won't believe what, no, 
Any amount of grumbling and complaining isn't going to profit anything. When my son begins complaining, I tell him, Nathaniel, what is complaining going to help? Nothing. He knows. And then five minutes later, he catches me complaining. Like, Dad? You're right, son. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Be white hot in your love and your fervency of prayer. Okay? What was the one? What was the one before that? Or sorry, fervency of prayer. Or or no. Sober-minded for prayer. Fervency in love for one another. Hospitable to one another and not having an attitude or a spirit of complaining going on. Now watch this. And here's where we really hammered this entire series starting. As each one, every believer, every one, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've come to the understanding that you are not going to make it, and when you pass from this life, you have a certain destiny reservation in the lake of fire because you have no pardon before a holy God and you are full of sin. Not just sins you commit, but sin that is inside of you that wants to commit sins. If that is the case, you need to hear about what Jesus Christ has done for you. When he died on the cross, he died for sins. Therefore, he washes you of sins and he offers you eternal life as a free gift. That comes one way and one way only, and that is by faith. Not works, not doing, not scheming, anything like that. You are saved only by faith because of the work that Jesus has done nothing else. Everybody with me? So if that is the case, you not only have forgiveness of sins and eternal life, which is great as it is, but you also have a gift. I don't have a gift. Yes, you do. After 45 sermons, stop telling me you don't have a gift. God can't use me. Yes, he can. Well, maybe not with an attitude like that. But understand, that's an attitude that is motivated by unbelief. Because we're not believing what the scriptures have told us. The scriptures tell me everyone has a spiritual gift. That means Jay. Jay has a spiritual gift. Jay, do you know your spiritual gift? It's not encouragement. I know that. Okay? Jay, you need to fill out your spiritual gift thing. In the back. I did, You forgot, Okay. In the back, we have these on the table. If we run out of these, please grab it. Come let me know. Send me an email, call the office. It doesn't matter, whatever, and we will produce more of these. It's important that we have everybody's spiritual gift. We got like maybe 100 to 110 people in here. We have more people than that, or that we have spiritual gifts things. We have more people than that that are attending here. We need everybody's spiritual gift to know what it is. Why? Because everybody in the body is to be serving the body. And we want to get everybody plugged in as according to their spiritual gifts, so they can actually serve with joy and it not be a grind. Nobody wants to show up if it's a grind. But if God has blessed you with a certain gift and you have an avenue to serve people that you're passionate about with that gift, that's a win-win situation. Everyone has received a special gift. Now, here's what I'm going to do. This is not blasphemous. I'm going to take this word out. Why? It's in italics. It's not originally there. And here's what I know about this word gift. This word gift is the word charisma. Charisma. Everybody see that? And here's what it means. Grace, gift. It is grace. The gift that you have is undeserved. Jesus just gives it to you because he's a giver and that's what he loves to do. Well, I'm not worthy of a gift. He knows. He gave it to you anyway. Why? Because he wants to empower his people to serve in a supernatural way amongst one another where he is glorified in the midst of it 
and by it builds up his body and draws people who are unbelieving into the body so that they will be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's the whole goal of why we have spiritual gifts. He's got something he wants to do. So notice, every believer has a grace gift, and they need to employ it in, notice what it is. Here's the parameters, serving, here's our thing again, one another. Notice Peter, one another, one another, one another. One. It's not about me. My spiritual gift is not about me. It's about you, and hopefully you benefit from me exercising, employing my spiritual gift. I look to benefit from you when you employ your spiritual gift. Why? So that together we are built up. We are to be built up together. If you have nothing but teaching and preaching all the time, you're going to end up with a lopsided body. You need spiritual V8 in that situation to line it back out again. And what is that? Mercy. Giving. Leading discernment, wisdom, knowledge, encouragement. We need all those factors. We need all those factors playing everything at the table. Now notice, why should we do this? Because we are called to be good stewards of the, here it is, manifold grace of God. Everybody see this? They go together. The manifold grace of God. That's what's there. Isn't this fun? We play win, lose, or draw some Sunday. That'd be awesome. Now notice, whoever speaks. First category. Take this out here. Not because I'm trying to be blasphemous. Because I can do without it. Whoever speaks as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Which is... Whoop, did you know that this erases... His word, I know. Man with a pen is a dangerous thing. So notice that. Number one, whoever speaks, one is speaking the utterances of God. It's his word. If somebody is in a speaking gift category, they have one thing to say. That's God's word. They're either elaborating, expounding upon, or just freely and fully, clearly giving God's word. It's all centered on scripture, all of it. The next one is whoever serves. Number two category. And this is not a lesser category because it's number two because it's desperately needed to balance the body. The problem with people with speaking gifts is they want to talk all the time. Like you haven't noticed, right? They want to talk all the time. The great thing about the serving gifts is serving gift people need to be talked to. Works out for me that way too. But what I need to be built up by is watching the word in action. And when the word takes action, it encourages me to want to teach and preach and get involved and to spur me on towards godliness and good deeds. That's a great thing. So notice, serves as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. You say, okay, what in the world? Is that like a supplement or something? It's by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the amazing thing. If you are serving a people group that you're excited about, and if you are serving them in such a way as to where you're able to use the gifts that God has given you, so the gift is radiating out of me in order to serve a people that God has given me a special 
heart for. In doing that, you don't get tired. You're doing it God's way. Anytime that you do God's things, God's way, with God's stuff, you don't get tired. You get built up. You get excited. Everybody remember Jesus at the well? He said, will you draw me some water? Even Jesus got tired. 100% human. 100% God. He got tired. Right? And they come back from the town. Rabbi, I have something neat. I got food you don't even know about. Somebody give this guy a protein shake or what? What happened? No, he's excited because he just got to share the gospel and revealed the fact that he was the Messiah to somebody who everybody else hated and wanted nothing to do with. That lit Jesus' fire. I don't think that's unusual for the body of Christ. I don't think it's unusual that we need our fires lit and the way to do it is God's stuff in God's way without he has supplied us. Notice it says here, so that, here's the reason, in all things, God may be glorified. It is, everybody hold on to your hats, doxological. It means it is full of praise and glory. So our lives and the church would be a demonstration of glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Every time. The pinnacle of all existence is not salvation. It is giving glory to God in all things. This is the way that the church can know that they've done it. We're following God's word in this. So notice that that comes through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory, dominion, forever and ever. Amen. There it is. If you speak, speak as if God was speaking. Speak the words of God to one another. If you serve, serve with the strength that only he can supply. Why? Because there's glory on the other side of it when you do it God's way. My glory? No, not necessarily, even though Jesus loves to include us in that. And that's something separate. But the fact is, all attention is given to God and all attention is given to Christ. One of these interesting things that I've seen that's happened with evangelicalism as time has gone on is we've gotten less and less away from discipling and sharing the gospel with people. And it's become more about let's make friends and let's grow a community and let's connect with one another. And all this other jargon language, it's killed the evangelistic spirit of the church. Let's test this. Who'd you share Christ with this week? Everybody? Everybody that you can? Now understand, I'm not saying that you got to go out and I'm not trying to give anybody a guilt complex, but the Holy Spirit desires to open doors for us to share the gospel. For some reason, that evangelistic spirit has started to go along the wayside. And that's not it. It's to be the main center of the road. Introducing people to new life in Christ. You don't think the fields are white right now? Look at our country. They're scraping for something. They're looking for help somewhere. Everybody else is pointing them in a direction. Why can't we? Something to think about. So here's what we came up with. These are the gifts. 11 of them. 11 gifts that stand for the church. Preaching, exhortation, teaching, wisdom, and knowledge are the speaking gifts. Faith, giving, mercy, helps, leading, and discernment are the serving gifts. If you need this later, you can let me know. We'll send it to you free of charge, right? $89.95 for shipping. But we'll send it to you free of charge. 
We'll make sure and get it in your hands because everybody needs to understand what their gift is. Now, there have been some comments or some questions that people have brought to me over this series, and I've kind of held off. I've maybe given them individual answers, but I've held off because I wanted to use those things for all of us together. So, aren't spiritual gifts the same as talents or skills that someone possesses? Not necessarily. I would say not at all. Okay? Let me give you an example. You want, you can jot these things down. We could flip back and forth, but by the time we get there, we're going to take up a lot of time. There's a lot of things to talk about to close this out. After these things, this is Paul. He left Athens and he went to Corinth. That's our favorite place, right? We've hung out there a lot lately. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Now notice, they're Jews, they left Rome, we don't have any understanding of whether or not they were believers beforehand, I'm going to bet that they weren't, and he came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. Does Paul need a spiritual gift in order to be a tent maker? No, he doesn't, but is it a skill he possesses? It is. Now think about this. You may have the spiritual gift of, let's say, exhortation. You're really good at encouraging people. But you also like to play the harpsichord. Why not? Lurch played it. Why can't we? Okay? Some of you got that. Three of you got that. Okay, great. But can you sit down with a talent or a skill that you've developed and maybe write songs of which would be an encouragement and that be using your spiritual gift? Absolutely you can because that is your spiritual gift working with your talent in order to be effective in the body of Christ. You may have the gift of helps, but the fact is, is that you're homebound. You're not able to get out much anymore. How do you utilize the gift of helps in order to, to, to do that if you're homebound? Anybody want to take a stab? How do you put those things together? Prayer? Prayer is huge. Intercessory prayer is massive. Just because somebody is praying, they have the gift of helps. They want to know about everybody's needs. But instead of being hands-on there, they're lifting it up to the Lord. I would say that more is going to get accomplished that way. Because the prayers of the Lord are going to motivate the hearts of God's people to get in there and answer those prayers through practical means. We need more prayer warriors. That's excellent. Let's say that you have the gift of giving. This is a big one for some people. They have the gift of giving, but they don't make a lot of money. Is that okay? Yeah. Who cares? It's the gift of giving. It's not the gift of abundance. You can't just give if it's only an abundance situation. Let's say that you only make $5 an hour. But yet one person wants to take a dollar of every five that they make and set it aside for the sake of missions and supporting a missionary. Praise God for that. They're still being faithful in their spiritual gift. Let's say that you got a knack about, I heard about this the other day. I don't remember who I was talking to about this. Pastor Steve likes to play golf. And so what he used to do is, is he would meet some people somewhere, find out that they like to play golf. Hey, let's meet at such and such tee. We're going to go there. We're going to play nine holes or 18 holes or whatever. You might sound, that sounds like a vacation to me. That doesn't sound like a talent. But here's the thing. Does Pastor Steve have the gift to evangelize people? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he can take a tee and he can draw the bridge illustration on a green if he needs to <laughs> and mess it all up, preferably in their ball's path, right? 
But if he needs to, he can sit there and speak exhortation and wisdom and knowledge to them like I know he has those gifts, using the avenue in order to do it. So you don't have to have your talents and your gifts all come together and say, well, they're all just one thing. Well, I have the gift of this, a gift of this. A lot of times we subscribe something as a gift that's not really a biblical gift of one of these 11 that we've put forward. It's actually a talent or a skill. The question is, is how can I marry those two things together in a creative way to reach people? Because the church shouldn't be doing anything else except evangelizing and discipling. If we're doing something other than that, we're off the track. We're off the track. So the question is in your mind, if you know what your gifts are, you write them down there, okay, what are the things that I like to do? What people group am I passionate about reaching? What are some skills or hobbies or whatever it is that I have? And you put those in another category, and then you begin to formulate and ask the question, God, how do I marry these things together for your glory? Please show me. Man, it's a dangerous prayer. It's a really great prayer, but it's a dangerous one. You know why? Because you'll actually have to do something. He will make sure that a prayer that's asked like that will not go unanswered. He definitely will. So, what if I'm a woman and I have the gift of preaching? That's all controversial, isn't it? Is that a bad thing? I don't think it is a bad thing. In fact, if everybody remembers, and even if you have your book, you can pull it out here. Here's a list that we have from what constituted preaching. Now, think about this for just a second. The God-given ability... To set before people the word and wisdom of God persuasively through personality as a herald. What are some of those qualities? Strong emphasis on Bible authority. I tell you this right now. There's nothing hotter in a woman if she believes in the inerrancy of scripture. Woo! That's hot. Hopefully my wife is watching right now. Okay. (laughs) Speak clearly and organize material well. Encourage and challenge people in matters of biblical conduct. Look for response and results. Comfortable in working with groups of people. Confident in ability to confront people when they are doing wrong. Does it sound like a woman can do all these things? It does. What does the Bible tell us? The Bible says that they're not to have authority over a man. That's it. There's so much more of a wider field open that some people, especially if you grew up in an ultra-conservative situation, they've been so repressed about this issue, they don't feel like that they can say a word without having the hammer come down on them. What do we see in Scripture? Interesting point. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. Did all you older women hear that? Everybody listen? Okay, making sure. Mary Walker, where are you? I just want to say hi, that's all. So, older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. Not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine. Teaching what is good. So there you're involved in this proclamation of the word situation. You say, well, that could just be the gift of teaching. It could be. But any woman worth her her, her weight and salt, if she's got the word of God open, she's going to get fiery about it. And I love it. Notice here. Why? So that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Stop. Does everybody realize that this has to be happening in the body of Christ? Younger women, let me talk to you if you haven't been married very long. When you got married, it was all fairy dust at the beginning. And then you both started to be the real you. And there's some point in your mind where you thought, Lord in heaven, what did I step into? Because this is a lifelong bond. And I didn't know that Jabba the Hutt was going to come out of this situation. (laughs) What is happening? You love him, but you're kind of like, yeah. Notice it's not. What's that? 
What, what was this? What was said? Something about somebody being a jerk. Okay. We're going to be talking about repentance next week, okay? So hold on to that one. Love one another, okay? But here's the thing. You might start to see sides of your spouse as a young woman. You're like, man, I don't even know what's going on here. It's not that I'm not affectionate, but man, what, I think what they're talking about here is loving through those hard times. Some of you ladies are seasoned in that. You've been dealing with a guy that you've been married to for a long time. You have a lot of things that the grace and patience of the Lord Jesus has taught you over time. And guess what? These younger ladies need to hear that so they're not hitting the same walls that you might have hit through that time. They need it. They're starving for it. There's a prime open avenue right there to love their husbands and to love their children because you got to learn how to do that. Parenting is an art form, yes? Yes. My art form looks like finger paintings and somebody dropped crayons. We need help in that stuff. Ladies need help in that stuff. To be sensible, pure, workers at home, the home is a woman's domain. You're like, oh, that's so sexist and that's so chauvinist. No, it's not. It's pretty much saying you're in charge of that realm. That's what it's saying. To be kind, you ladies got to be taught to be kind. Think about that. I'm not saying a word. Move on. But but being subject to their own husbands, why? So that the word of God will not be dishonored. Because there's so much more at stake than what we think in just the here and now. It's all about promoting the word of God. So yes, we need people speaking. We need ladies preaching into those situations. He also said this, Paul said this to Timothy, for I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that is in you as well. You think Timothy heard some preaching from mom and grandma after some time? Raising their kid according to the Lord. You've got to know this. Memorizing scripture, they weren't catechizing, okay? They're memorizing the word of God. Get rid of the catechism thing, okay? They're memorizing God's word, knowing basic doctrines, being built up to know that. And later on, Timothy's life was so fruitful out of that. Why? Because it started at home. It started early. Mom and grandma were involved. Sounds like a really good endeavor to me. This is my favorite. If it's not my gift, does Jesus excuse me from whatever that gift is? Let me ask you. Yeah. You know what? I went through this and I don't have the spiritual gift of mercy. Am I exempt? But it's not your gift. How come you're not exempt? Let's look at this. Number one, for preaching. Here's a good verse. We looked at it last week. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. We can all speak forward the word of God. We may not have the gift of preaching or proclamation in that way, prophecy in that way, but everybody can take God's word and in a moment's notice turn around and communicate to that somebody like that for the better. Yes? We can all do that. We can all do that if for no other reason that we have an abundance of the scriptures in our possession. How about teaching? For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Now the you there is in the plural. The author of Hebrews is writing to Jews who had become Christians who are thinking about walking away from the faith so they don't get persecuted as badly. He's saying right now you guys should already be in a situation where you're teaching one another. You have a need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. You should be teachers, but you've slacked off on knowing the word of God. And this just puts you in a bad way. You've got to be taught all over again. Here's our favorite one, mercy. 
Do I have to show mercy even though it's not my gift? We are told, so speak and so act as those, plural, who are to be judged by the law of liberty. And I don't think that James was saying just to you mercy gift-having folk, okay? He wasn't doing that. Here's the reason why. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Every single believer in Christ should be merciful because we have mercy to draw off of in being merciful. There are some people who have been gifted with mercy, who lead the way for mercy, who really demonstrate to the body what giving or what mercy is. The next one, giving. Now I say this, he who sows sparingly and also reaps sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one, no one exempt, each one must do just as he has proposed, or sorry, purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So no person is exempt from giving. Every believer should do that. Are there some people who have the spiritual gift of giving who go above and beyond regardless of their means to be obedient to the Lord? Yes, because they know that that's their gift. They understand that the Lord uses it and he multiplies it radically. Now, I'm going to do something really, really dangerous. Are there any questions about gifts? Yes, Jay. I remembered what my gifts were. <laughs> Leading and teaching. Leading and teaching. Yes. Excellent. So let's do this real quick. Let's use, I love this. Let's use you as the guinea pig. Can we do that? Sure. Okay, great. What are some hobbies or skills that you have? Uh, wood carving. Uh, I like mowing the yard. Okay. I was a counselor for 25 years. Okay. Okay, so if you have leading, you have organization and administrative qualities. If you have teaching, you're able to pull from the Word of God to use it. Jay enjoys counseling. He's counseled people for 25 years, so he can use the Word of God to be a biblical counselor. He also enjoys mowing the yard. Nothing wrong with that. Think about what a servant attitude that is. You could lead a fleet of lawn mowing people (laughs) from Grace Bible Church to provide a service for shut-ins in the area who can't get out and mow their own yards or those who are paying some degenerate college student way too much money in order to get it done. Guess what? We're here to do it for free. Why? Because it's by grace and it's offered by Grace Bible Church. What's up? No, you don't. You got student loans and Biden's going to forgive them anyway, so don't worry about it. That's where we live, man. Just give it all out for free. Who cares? So that's a very, very good example. It's a very good example. What was your first one that you said? Wood carving. Wood carving. How can he use that for the glory of God? If he's got a teaching ability, he's going to be familiar with the word of God and desire to communicate that in some way. How great would it be if he just outdid Hobby Lobby and putting out things of carvings that we can all hang in our houses? And let's say he did that for the joy of wanting to bless people. What's that? Or teaching others how to. This would get us beyond that terrible use of the verse where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in their midst. That is not about prayer. It's about spiritual discipline. And we go to Hobby Lobby and we spend $49.95 and stick the thing up on our wall. We're like, oh, this is just blessing me so much. Is church discipline going on in your home? No. Jay can pull from other things and get some, some verses in context out there. Man, that would be awesome. Verses in context that decorate your home through wood carving. 
That warms my heart. Jesus was a carpenter. There you go. I'm not putting those two things together, okay? <laughs> but I will guarantee that Jesus died to give you gifts. What other questions do we have? I got some beautiful things I want to share with you, but guess what? We got a little bit of time. Yes, Colleen. What is your spiritual gift? At least one. Mercy. I think you've already answered this question that I'm not allowed to say out loud, but I think you already answer this question. I think you already bless with the gift of mercy. At least I know I've been blessed by it. Yeah. You, you answered your own question. That's, does anybody else want to ask a question and answer it themselves? That was great. I love that. That's great. What other questions do we have? Yes. Yes. This is Jerry speaking from experience. You will not truly know what joy is until you are operating the spiritual gift that God has given you for his glory, period. It's true. It's true. I don't know what else I have to do to convince you or to sway you in that direction or to think about if you're on the fence about it. But I'm telling you what, people getting involved and using what God has given them, it comes from someplace that's not us. And boy, that's refreshing. It's completely refreshing. Something great that you have in front of you on the, on the chairs. This is just a, 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 a brief list, a brief list that have come up with of the possibilities of ministry. If you notice, these are suggestive and not exhaustive. You would need to go through the spiritual gifts inventory first. Again, if you need help with that, we can help you with that. But once you identify your spiritual gift, think about the possibilities for ministry that go on. And there are some on here that we might not necessarily have. We've already got a lot of ministries that are taking place that need more people with gifts involved in it to make that ministry grow, to make it better, to fill it out some. But let me tell you this, there's some ministries that we don't have. We don't have a prison ministry. Everybody seen this thing across the street? We don't have a prison ministry. That is a ministry field. We don't have one. I'll tell you this, we need one. Those people need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the gospel just as anybody outside of those walls needs to hear the gospel. But just because they're there shouldn't exclude the church from involvement in that. Jay. The time is ripe. I was there meeting with the guy for quite a while until COVID popped up and I couldn't see him anymore. Now that it's down to minimum, I can go back and resume that. And hopefully that will open up a door and maybe we could actually start a group going there. Having an awesome time of worship. Anybody in here got musical ability they'd love to, to use in that way? Great. Let's go. Let's do it. Yes, ma'am. Okay, what, is your, what, are your, what are your gifts? Helps and mercy. Girl, there's all kinds of opportunities. Yes, there's a ton of opportunities. Helps and mercy are probably, well, helps at least, is the most common gift that we have in our church. It's off the charts. How many, Maxine? Do you remember? 48 people have the gift of helps in our church. 
That's insane. Which we've been having between 200 and 230 people come every Sunday. That's a large percentage of helps. How do you use that? Here's the question. Elena, is there anybody around you that needs help? Is there anybody here in the body of Christ that possibly needs help? Is there any ministry that needs help? I'll, yes, absolutely. So, so notice, here, here's the difference maker. The difference maker is, is where is help needed? That's where everybody who's the head of a ministry team here needs to kind of list out, here's what we're needing right now. We need this person with this gift in order to get plugged in. We could really use somebody to fill this hole here because it's something that we'd like to do, but we're just not able to do it yet because we don't have the right people. And then you get with me or Maxine and you ask the question, do you have anybody who has these gifts? And Maxine goes, like that. And Elena's name just pops right out on a piece of paper. And there it is. You know what? We could connect her with this ministry and get her involved in this because she wants to help people and she's merciful. Wow. That's how it works. Now notice on the back as well, you have serving gifts. Serving gifts. Notice that we've got things down there like helping to clean. Notice that we've got things like treasure position, which I'm going to talk about here in just a little bit. We've also got our deacon team. We've also got our elders. We've also got visitation team, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Nursery workers. We always need people for nursery workers. If you're somebody who's got a gift on the front page of speaking gifts, guess what? We need people in children's church. That is a need that we have right now. If you're somebody who's passionate about working with kids, third grade and under, we need you involved in the body of Christ. We need it. Please get involved. Let me know. Let Amy Clark know. Come let Maxine know. And we'll all coordinate and communicate together to help get you trained and involved. But it needs to be happening. It's got to be happening. Now let me explain to you what we've done. You've been hearing me talk about a spiritual gifts team that we've been dealing with. The spiritual gifts team that we have put together consists of Jerry Hillier. He is considered step one, okay? After that, you then go to step two, which is made up of elders and any volunteers that have attended this meeting so that we can begin getting some material together. And then step three, you're dealing with Maxine. Let me explain how this works. Number one, Jerry's main goal is to take everything that we've gone over in these 45 weeks, especially all the biblical material, and put it all together in a way that will last for one semester of Sunday school. And we're looking to start that from January to May of 2023. Now, here's the reason why. This is the last sermon of this series. Okay, those of you that stuck it out for the long haul, there is extra treasure in heaven for you, I have no doubt. Okay? But 45 sermons is a lot. It's a lot of information. I've tried to cover this exhaustively inside and out and turn every rock over to make sure that we don't have any questions about this, okay? But that doesn't mean that we're not going to have an influx of new people who come to church or that some of you maybe didn't catch all of what was going on at the beginning. And so what we've done is we've asked Jerry to go back, get this, okay? Long suffering. That's not a spiritual gift, but he's got it. He's gone back and he's listening through all of these sermons, and he's going through and he's chronicling all the material because he is setting up for a 13-week span for the second semester of Sunday school coming up in order to take anybody that's new or not knowledgeable about spiritual gifts and lead them through that for 45 minutes every Sunday through 13 weeks and get it all in there for people to know. So when they walk out of that situation of step one, you've got the biblical understanding of here's what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. You can take that, put it in your pocket and walk on to step two. Step two is where you sit down with myself one of the elders or some of the volunteers that have put themselves forward. 
And we want to go through for one or two hours and just get to know you. Find out who you're passionate about. Find out what you like to do. Find out what your spiritual gifts are and walk you through the spiritual gifts booklet so that we can record those and help you understand what they are and then talk about ways for you to get involved. But not only that, we want to know who you are as a person. Who do you love helping? Who do you love serving? Who do you look to impact for God's glory? That's what we want to know about. After that's done, we take your results and what we figured out from that interview, we give it to Maxine. And Maxine, she plugs all that stuff in. And she comes back and she says, you know what? We really need somebody right now in Awana to serve this way. This person would really be a a major fit here to work with this group. And we're trying to find a way so that every single person in the body of Christ is serving the body of Christ. That's the goal moving forward. That is the mainstay of this paradigm that we're trying to push. Why? Because spiritual gifts are biblical and it will not do us any good to move on from this like this sermon series never existed because if the Bible states that it needs to be true about the church, we need to be doing it. So that's what we're looking to do. Now, that leads me to my last thing. And I am ultra jazzed about this. Inside of your bulletin, you have this little sheet. Please pull out this little sheet. Because this is fantastic. At the top, it will say, Grace Bible Church's newest compassion ministry, the visiting team. The visiting team. I had expressed to some people, man, with everything going on here, how we're growing, trying to get to know everybody, making sure that studies are prepared for, meeting with people and all of this, I'm having a hard time getting to people who have either been admitted into the hospital at a moment's notice, people who have been in a nursing home or retirement center or something like that. I'm having difficulty making all of these visitations that I need to, especially because they're spread out. And so Brian and Marianne Weathers came to me and said, you know what? We want to help with that. We love doing stuff like that. I said, fantastic. What that, what's that going to look like? Next thing you know, I'm getting the most detailed and organized pages. So I'm sitting here looking at it going, okay, somebody's got the gift of leading here. I know that. It's very administrative. Putting this together, covering all the avenues, answering a lot of questions before I can even get them out of my mind. And wanting to put together a team of people who would get together and visit shut-ins, Okay. Notice, do you have the spiritual gifts of mercy, helps, exhortation, faith, or giving? I cannot begin to tell you how that excites me like rocket fuel, man. Because what is the criteria of being involved in the team? We're not worried about who you are. We're not worried about what you've done. We're not worried about how you look. The most important thing is, is do you have these gifts that God has given you? That's how the church is to be structured. If you have these gifts, you will fit in perfectly with going and visiting people who desperately need a visit. Notice it says, would you enjoy making a personal connection with someone of like faith, praying over them and sharing with them in the joy of the Lord and refreshment of spirit? Then you might be right for the visiting team. Private homes, convalescent homes, nursing homes, hospitals, to visit members of our church family who are unable to attend in church in person, either because of disability, illness, injury, or complications of aging. We show them the love of Jesus and encourage them with the knowledge that we have not forgotten them and that the church body cares for them. Our ministry is successful when everyone on our visiting list receives at least one visitor a month who prays for them, reads them the scriptures, listens to them, and gives them encouragement. So you turn it over on the back and you can sign up for this. If this is something that touches your button, you're like, yes, there's something in me that says that has got to be what I do. Fantastic. Flip it over, start filling it out now. 
You can either hand it to me, Brian, Marianne, raise your hands. Right there they are, okay? You can either hand it to them or you can go drop it in the offering box and it will get to them. But we've also been accumulating the names of people we have who are either in hospitals, nursing homes, shut-ins, whatever it is, so that we have a group of people and they want to coordinate this situation to where it can plug everybody in. Now, here's the interesting thing. I could never do what they're doing. I don't have the administrative mind like that. You guys walk by my office and you're like, yeah, something's wrong. You do. And it's okay. But here's the interesting thing. The body of Christ is hearing about what spiritual gifts can do. Pinpointing people who need those gifts to reach them. Putting it all together and saying, body, let's make a difference. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus to people. How great is that? If you have questions and you want to talk to them about that, they have these to give you. They even put brochures together. And they're full color. We did them here on the copy machine, but man, they look great. We made Isaiah fold them all. It was great. He's our summer intern. Marsha was like, yeah, Isaiah, I need your help on something ministry related. Right? And so he served like a good guy. Man, they look sharp. But this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing. What's the need? Where am I needed? How am I gifted? And how can we bring God glory by doing it? Man, that's... You can't ask for anything better than that. I would hope that as this process moves forward, we would identify more ministries that need to be undertaken. Maybe we're doing some ministries right now we don't need to do. I don't know. But one thing we'll find out is, is how God has gifted us and the passions that he's put on our hearts. That will dictate where we go as a church. And you know what? When we're doing God's things, God's way with what God has given us, it all leads to his glory. Does that sound good? Yes. I'm excited about it. Are you excited about it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Good. Fantastic. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. God in heaven, what a wonderful thing it is that in these last days you've blessed us with spiritual gifts to use. That if there's anything that's supposed to mark your church as being completely different from this world, it is the mark of speaking your words and serving in your strength so that you receive all the glory. And Lord, that might look different for all of us, but we know that you've given us spiritual gifts in order to accomplish that end. It has to be done spiritually. It is a spiritual gift. It is a gift of your grace towards us. So Father, I pray in in whatever endeavor that you've laid upon our hearts, whatever passion that you've given us, it drives us forward to want to serve in some way. Lord, we need to make that known. If we don't know what a spiritual gift is, we need to make that known. We need to understand what it is. We need to understand what the Bible has to say about these things. Then we need to move forward in obedience, not to just know, not to just sit, but to serve. Father, thank you that you've given us the body of Christ to do that, and may we be pleasing in your sight because we don't sit still. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.